0: want to share a thought with you that we live uh, in some of the countries of the world there are a lot of problems you look at India what's happening there and Brazil and with with COVID and people apart from the pandemic uh, people uh, there's probably people in this room you you're really struggling you've got challenges in your life keep the word of God always before you. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what the bank account says, no matter what your boss says, no matter what your children say, no matter what your husband says, your wife says, you know, I want to leave you. I've had enough, you know, 10,000 may fall on one side, a thousand on the other, but will not come near you. Just keep the word of God always present before you let the promises of God the word of God be your focus and meditation in the book of Psalms when the Psalmist David or whoever was writing the Psalms was going through war and battle and enemies and slander and all this stuff he would revert to meditating my enemies persecute me but I meditate on your law. Always keep the word before you. The enemy will attack with the purpose of distracting your eyes from the word of God. Did God really say this? Is God really going to heal you? Psalm 16 verse 7, I will bless the Lord. Who has given me counsel? He's given you the word of God. I will bless the Lord. One of the great things that we should praise God about is that He's given us the word, He's given us counsel. No matter what you're going through, and maybe you're all troubled, you don't know what to think, your emotions are up and down like a yo yo. Your thoughts are all over the place and Christians are of no, no help. They're just speaking negativity and, you know, they're just like the world. He's given you counsel. When you feel totally confused about your situation, there's counsel. You don't need God to speak to you prophetically. His word is prophetic. Just believe what it says. Always focus on the word. I have set the Lord always before me. To set the Lord always before you and to meditate on the word are the same thing. The word is the Lord. When you set the Lord before you, you've set the word before you. A look at the word of God is a look at Jesus Christ. You know, if you're full of anxiety and worry about your situation, look at the word of God. You look directly at Jesus Christ. Set the word before you. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Nothing sent from hell can move you when you establish yourself in the word of God. My flesh also will rest in hope for you shall not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me. So you set the Lord always before you because he is at your right hand. You'll never be be moved. You will show me the path of life. I've got some feedback here. Thanks. Thanks. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. 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 There are pleasures, not carnal pleasures, heavenly pleasures. Fullness, overflowing joy. Psalm twenty five, fifteen, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. Always focus on the on the word of God. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net. Don't focus on the net. Focus on the Lord. Because He's the one who will pluck your feet. Psalm 119, verse 37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. When you establish the word in your heart, when you put the word always before you, know this, that your way is established. In the spirit realm, your way is established. No sickness, no demon, no curse, nothing. Husband, spouse, children, whatever it is that Satan is using against you, nothing can unsettle your way. It is firmly established through the word of God. Psalm 141, verse 8, My eyes are upon you, O God the Lord, in you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Amen. The word of God is such a great comfort. Such a great comfort. When when man has nothing, God has everything.
1: Thank you, family, for coming to today's podcast. Today, I have a treat for you. We're going to be listening to Rick Warren, uh, the famous saddleback preacher. He's going to be talking about thanking God ahead of time for our prayers, like they're already done. You know that we can believe ahead of time is very easy. All we got to do is thank God and act like it. And once we believe, the blessings appear. Easily more and more we're doing what we can on our part believe the word that is written So I give you Rick Warden enjoy his sermon on thanking God ahead of time. Here we go out of YouTube
2: The saddleback If you take out your message notes Last week we began 34 days of seeking God for a breakthrough and over 18,000 homes in our church, all of our campuses, 18,000 homes and individuals, signed up to pray for five minutes, three times a day, between now and uh, Christmas Eve. And we started with a fast. Many of you did that fast, thousands of you did that fast. You were hangry, hungry and angry. By the way, I need to tell you that a fast, you never get the benefit of it on that day. In fact, you usually don't feel that good when you're fasting. All the benefits come later. And I'll tell you this, if you do a longer fast, it actually gets easier. The first, the hardest day is the first day of a fast because your body isn't used to it. And by about the third day, you're not feeling hungry anymore. And you're wondering how these people go long days because you stop feeling hungry after a while. But because we're doing this seeking God for a breakthrough for 34 days, uh, I, I want to talk to you this weekend about how do you pray a breakthrough prayer? I'm going to teach you how to pray for a breakthrough prayer in your life. Now, breakthrough prayer is different than any normal prayer. Normal prayer is God, I need energy. God, I need strength. God, I need caffeine. God, I, 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 I need wisdom. And you pray those kind of prayers all the time. Breakthrough prayers are not for everyday use. Breakthrough prayers are when you have a crisis in your life that is uncontrollable. Breakthrough Prayers are when everything is going wrong and you can do nothing about it. When you need God to just step in. When you need to go home and clean your house, don't pray a breakthrough prayer, just go home and clean your house. But when there's something beyond your scope, it's unknowable, it's unmanageable, it's uncontrollable, then you need to know how to pray a breakthrough prayer. The principles I'm going to teach you this weekend have changed my life I've used them these are how this is how I pray this is how I see God move mountains year after year after year now one of the elements of a breakthrough prayer is actually thanking God in advance and I need to explain this to you like this if I were to call you up this afternoon and I would say for your Christmas gift I'm going to give you this year I'm going to pay your mortgage for the next 12 months and I've already put the check in the mail. Now, I've already given it, but you haven't received it yet. Does that make sense? So I put the check in the mail, but you haven't got it yet. And there's that little delay. When do you start thanking me? After the check clears? Or would you thank me when I called you on the phone? And you say, Rick's an honest guy. He's got integrity. If he says it, he's not conning me. It's not a... a, Uh, you know, a a scam, it's not a job he's doing on me. And if Rick has promised, I'm gonna pay your mortgage for the next 12 months, I haven't actually paid it, but you thank me in advance, you get that? That's just normal. This is what God wants you to do in prayer. And part of a breakthrough prayer, one of the five elements of a breakthrough prayer is actually thanking God in advance. Now I want you to notice on the top of your outline, Uh, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 11, anytime you ask for anything in prayer, believe that you have received it and you will receive it. I really want you to get this. Notice the change in tense here. Believe that you have received it. That's past tense. And you will receive it. That's future tense. I want you to read this verse aloud together, and I want you to emphasize the word have. Okay, let's read it together. Anytime you ask for anything in prayer, believe that you have received it, and you will receive it. You say, wait a minute, I've got to believe I've got it in order to get it? Yep. That's called faith. I believe that I've got it already in order to get it. You're saying, you mean i got to believe a thing is so, even though it isn't so, so that it will become so? Yes. That's called faith. If I send you that check for the next 12 months, you haven't paid 12 months yet, but you start thanking me instantly. This is called faith. Now, this is the difference between gratitude and faith. And uh, both of them are important in prayer. And We talked about gratitude on Thanksgiving. And those of you who signed up got that little email that I sent you that gave you a Thanksgiving prayer of gratitude that you could pray. But you might write this down in your notes. Thanking God after he gives something is gratitude. Thanking God before he gives it is called faith. And in the breakthrough prayer, you need to have faith, not just gratitude. Thanking God after he's given you something, that's just gratitude lord i appreciate what you've done thank you for this thank you for that thank you for all these things but when you thank god in advance before he's actually given it you say i know i've asked for it you've promised to give it to me so i'm thanking you in advance that's called faith this is what you do when you keep praying for something over and over and over and over while you're waiting for god's timing we'll talk a little bit about that in the future the persistence is another part of prayer What do you do? Do you have to just keep asking God, I want this, I want this, I want this, like you're wearing God down? No, no. You only need to ask God for it one time, but then in all your future prayers while you're waiting for the check to arrive, you thank him. Does that make sense? So you don't have to keep going, please give it to me, please give it to me, please give it to me, please, like you're begging God. No, you just have to say, God, I want you to give this to me. You've promised in your word to give it to me. I'm going to teach you these five things. And then, for the rest of the time, until it arrives, you just thank God. That's faith. Now, Abraham did this. God told Abraham, you're going to have a son, and you're going to be the father of many nations. Abraham started thanking God immediately. God, thank you that you're giving me a son. Thank you that I have a son. He even changed his name to father of many nations. You know how many years he thanked God before he got his first son? 25 years. That's a long time to thank God. God's timing was perfect. It was actually 100 years old when that baby was born. So it was a flat out miracle. When I started Saddleback Church many years ago, for 13 years, I thanked God that he had given us a piece of land, the first piece of land, the Lake Forest campus, long before we ever had it. But for 13 years, I wasn't saying, give us land, give us land, give us land, give us a building. I was saying, Lord, I asked for that the first year and at 13 years i just thank god for it in advance that's part of a breakthrough prayer now the best example of a breakthrough prayer is in second chronicles chapter 20. i've taught on this passage before but it fits so perfectly and we need to come back to this text in fact last week i read you the first five verses of this it's about a guy named jehoshaphat he's a king in israel and Three enemy nations decide to tag team and come up against him, and three enemy armies are coming against Israel, and he knows he's gonna get creamed. He knows he's gonna be defeated. There's no way he can overpower three to one odds. And so he prays a prayer. Now last week we read the first five verses, and I showed you what he did there. This week we're actually gonna focus on the actual prayer. What I'm going to teach you right now You should take this home and use it as a guide when you're praying three times a day. Now, you need a breakthrough in your life. I don't know where you need it. And until you know what you're praying for, you're not gonna have one. If you don't know where you need a breakthrough, then you don't know that God can answer that. And you might need a breakthrough in your finances. You might need a breakthrough in your job or in your marriage or in your relationships, you wanna get married, or you might need a breakthrough in your health or some area, it's any area that's not controllable. You can't control it. You can't manage it. And by the way, most of the important things in your life, you can't control and can't manage. So you're going to use this prayer a lot, but it's different from normal praying. And uh, I mentioned uh, uh, this king, uh, Jehoshaphat, that he had three enemy nations coming against him. They're on your outline. Uh, we read this last week, these first five verses. It says this, 2 Chronicles 20. After this... They'd had a big spiritual revival in the nation. Three enemy nations united to attack King Jehoshaphat. And spies told him, a huge combined army is marching to Jerusalem right now to defeat you. That would be overwhelming. He can't do anything to stop it. Scared and worried, King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. That's what we're going to do these next 30-so days. Resolved to seek the Lord. And he announced a nationwide fast. We did that on Monday. So then everyone came together to fast and to pray and to seek help from God. And when they all got to the temple in Jerusalem, they'd come from all over the nation, the king stood up and he prayed aloud. Now, uh, this guy does three things right when he's in a crisis. You need to do these same things too. He prayed privately, he gets other people to pray, and then he prays publicly. And this is what you want to do when you're in a major crisis in your life. First, he prays privately. It says he resolved to seek the Lord. Now, instead of worrying, I got three enemies coming against me, and there's no way we're going to beat them. Instead of worrying, he worships. Instead of panicking, he prays. And he turns to God, and before he does anything else, it says he resolved to seek the Lord. He doesn't seek a consultant. He doesn't seek a business plan. He doesn't seek a back bankruptcy uh, uh, advisor. Uh, he goes directly to God, and the very first thing he does in a crisis is he resolves to seek the Lord. Prayer should always be the first choice in your life, not the last resort. The first choice in your life when you're facing a problem should be pray about it, not the last resort. Too often, but we act like prayer is the last thing you do. You say, well. All we can do now is pray. And well, somebody goes, has it come to that? Like, wow, it's that bad? All we can do is pray? Now, it ought to be your first choice. And so he, he, he prays privately, and then he enlists others to pray. This is what I've been doing. I've been praying privately for your breakthrough. And then uh, a few weeks ago, I enlisted you and about 18,000 homes in this church said, okay, why not? I, I, I'm in for 34 days, I'll pray three times a day, morning, evening, and uh, you know—and and in the middle of the day, and five minutes a day, and I'll send you stuff, and you give me your email, and we tell you how to pray. And here he enlists others, and the entire country gets together uh, to pray for God's help. There is power in group prayer. And in the days ahead, I'm going to teach you how to pray for everybody else in the church, because everybody else is gonna be praying for you. Now there's enormous power, it's like a chain letter. You give out one prayer, but you got 18,000 people praying for you between now and Christmas Eve. That's a big deal. And and, and there's power in group prayer. Now why are we gonna do this? Because in the book of Job, Job has everything fall apart. He has the crisis of all crises. Loses his wife, no, loses his kids, loses his health, loses his home, loses his job, He's wiped out, very wealthy man. And the Bible in the last chapter of Job says, God restored everything that Job had lost, double forward, double, when he began to pray for his friends. It doesn't say God restored everything in Job's life when he began to pray for himself. But when Job began to pray for other people, God did a breakthrough in his life. And I want a breakthrough in your life. And as your spiritual coach, as your pastor, As somebody who loves you, I want to see a breakthrough in your life. I'm going to have to teach you how to pray this kind of prayer, and I'm going to teach you how to have to pray for other people, so then other people will be praying it for you, and you can see the breakthrough that God wants to do. Now, uh, this week we're going to look at Jehoshaphat's prayer, which is the rest of chapter 1 Chronicles chapter uh, 20. Verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he set his face to seek the Lord. Now, you may be afraid about some problem in your life. That's okay. It's okay to be afraid. It's what you do with the fear. And it says here that what he did was he set his face to seek the Lord. Does that phrase sound familiar? We talked about it many times in the series on Daniel. Every time Daniel got in a crisis, he set his face to seek the Lord. You remember I told you that I learned after 41 years of marriage that when my wife speaks, I set my face to seek my wife and I look at her and she likes it when she talks to me that I'm looking at her. God does too. And so the Bible, this phrase is used all through the scripture. The Bible says Jesus set his face to look to God, to look to the cross, to look to Jerusalem. And so it just means turn your attention. Now, what do you do in a breakthrough prayer? Well, you do five things. These are five things that he do, write these down. Number one, the first thing you do is you start by focusing on God, not my problem. When you're in a crisis, it's natural to start saying, God, I'm in a crisis. And you start telling God all the crisis as if he doesn't know it. God knows you're in a crisis. He knew you were gonna be in the crisis long before you did, before you were even born. He knew that crisis would happen in your life. So you don't start your prayer by saying, God, here's my prayer, I, I, I need money, I need a wife, I need a new job, I, I need to get out of bankruptcy, or whatever the crisis is, I, I need a healing. You start by focusing on God. And what do you do is, is is exactly what this guy did, and he does four things here. you might write these down. First, in my prayer, I remind myself of God's greatness. Now this is what you're gonna do first when you're praying in a crisis when you're praying for a breakthrough, when you're praying for something you cannot control, you don't focus on the problem, you focus on God's great God, you're a great God. You're a big God. You're an amazing God. You're a loving God. You're a faithful God. God, you created the whole universe. This is not a problem for you. The bigger God gets in your mind, the smaller the problem becomes. And God says, nothing's too hard for me. All things are possible with God. So I start my prayer, not by thinking about the problem, but by reminding myself of God's greatness. In verse six, here's what he prayed. Oh Lord, are you not the God who's in heaven? I mean, didn't you make this whole thing, the whole universe? Aren't you the God in heaven? You rule over every kingdom and every nation. And you are so powerful and mighty that nothing and no one can defeat you. I focus on God's greatness second next thing i do is i remind myself of his power i remind myself of god's unlimited power and when i re- realize that god has all the power in the world i think that i don't have to have any power god's got it all and i can just trust him and so in my prayer i think of all the ways that god has helped me in the past all the ways god has helped other people in the past all the ways god has helped people in the bible and i go remember when you did that And remember when you did that, and remember when you did that, you you had all the power to, you know, like you split the Red Sea uh, and and you brought water to the starving, the thirsty people in the desert through a rock and and all these miracles of God. God, you're a miracle-working God. You're powerful. God, you're great, and God, you're powerful. And didn't you help me in the past? Yes, you did. And he says this in verse 7, And God, did you not drive out those who tried to keep us from living here When you brought us back home What's he talking about? He's talking about the exodus Remember God gave the land of Israel To Abraham he said I'm going to make you a great nation And they began to grow and grow The Jewish nation began to grow and grow Then there was a famine And they disobeyed God And they left their own country Because there was food in Egypt And the whole nation moved to Egypt Where they were enslaved for the next 400 years It was a bad deal Bad decision Finally, uh, Moses brings them back to the promised land, back to the land that was given to them. And guess what? In those 400 years, other people had moved into their place. And they didn't want the Jews to come back. And, And they said, God, you gave us this land. And he said, God, didn't you drive out those who tried to keep us from coming back here, from living here? He said, you've helped us in the past. I remind myself of God's greatness, and I remind myself of God's power. And here's the third thing you do in a breakthrough prayer. You remind God not yourself you remind God of his promises this is a real important key for you to get in your prayer you say God didn't you promise to help us didn't you promise to take care of us didn't you promise to meet all our needs haven't you promised we've told you many times there's like four or prayers I mean promises in this book in the Bible and, and in the next verse, he says, and God, by the way, did you not give us this promised land to your friend, to your friend Abraham's descendants, that's us, to be theirs forever? So he's he's saying, God, you promised. Now, God loves to be reminded of his promises. We don't. If we're parents, we don't. I mean, if your kid comes, you go, Dad, you promised. You said, Dad, you said you'd do this. Mom." You promised. How can you break your promise? Because we're imperfect, because we're not always loving, and because we're not always in control. When our kids remind us of promises we made to them, it's a pain. But it's not a pain to God. In fact, God loves when you come to him and say, hey, By the way, God, you said you'd answer prayer. By the way, God, you said you've promised to take care of all my needs. By the way, God, you've promised to, to, to care for me. And to, to heal me in this situation. And God loves to have his word quoted back to him. So what I'm going to do this week is, uh, those of you who signed up, you gave me your email, I'm going to send you a list of promises you can quote back to God. Because this, you said, God, look, you said it right here. All I'm asking you to do is just keep your word.
1: <laughs>
2: I, I'm your child, and Father, you said you'd do it. That's part of a breakthrough prayer and so said God we're, we're gonna I, I need your help and and we're I'm asking you to, to keep your promises and then finally the fourth thing he does is he asks God for a breakthrough he asks God for a breakthrough and he says God in verse 10 to 12 our enemies want to destroy us will you not stop them from defeating us now he notice in this prayer he's very specific He gives a very specific request. Here's the breakthrough I need. Do you know what you need to ask God? If you don't, God can't give it because you gotta know what you wanna ask for. So you need to clarify, where do I need a breakthrough in my life? Don't ever ask God, oh God bless my life. It's such a general vague thing. How are you gonna know if God did it or not? What is a blessing anyway? Can anybody right now give me a definition of a blessing? What is a blessing? Sometimes a blessing is a problem. It's a blessing in disguise, and it keeps you from a bigger problem. Is that what you're praying when you say, God, give me a lot of blessings, God, give me a lot of problems? You might want to be careful about asking God to bless you. It's very vague. It's very general. You can't actually measure it. But when you say, God, I need to get out of debt... God, I need a healing for this particular thing. God, I need this relationship to be healed. I need the conflict to end. That's measurable. That's specific. You'll know when that's happened. And so you ask God for a breakthrough. Now, that's all in just the first step. You start by focusing on God. You're great. You're good. You're powerful. You've made a bunch of promises. And so I'm asking you to do it again. Notice in that passage that Jehoshaphat asked four questions. He said... Are you not God? Did you not help us in the past? Have you not made promises to us? And will you not do it again? You can pray those exact same things in your breakthrough prayer. Now here's the second part of a breakthrough prayer. I tell God, I can't do this. I need you to do this. That's the second thing you do when you have pray a breakthrough prayer. You tell God, i can't do this it's impossible for me i'm powerless it's hopeless i'm helpless i can't do this i need you to do this this is what makes breakthrough prayers different than other prayers when you say god i need your help that means you still think you can do it and that's okay a lot of times say lord i need your strength today Uh, lord i need your help today lord i need your wisdom today that's a normal prayer in a breakthrough prayer, you go, God, I can't even possibly do this because it's beyond my control. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. It's when you feel powerless. Yes. Have you ever felt powerless? Yep. Let me ask it another way. Have you ever held a screaming baby and tried to get it to be quiet? And it wouldn't. A little tiny baby can control you and wrap you around its fingers because you go, I'm go, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I'm going crazy if this child doesn't stop screaming. And no matter what you do, that baby won't stop screaming. That's feeling powerless, powerlessness. And when you feel that way, you need to pray a breakthrough prayer. Now, you tell God, I can't do this. It's beyond my ability. I need you to do this. By the way, you know what this is? It's the first step of Celebrate Recovery. That's the first, let me read you the first step of Celebrate Recovery. I realize I'm not God. I admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong things. And my life is unmanageable. That's the first step of Celebrate Recovery. It's the second step of a breakthrough prayer. God, I'm powerless. I I can't do it. Now, by the way, holidays are difficult. We have Celebrate Recovery every Friday night here at Lake Forest and we have it at all the other campuses on other different nights of the week. Notice verse 12. Here's the second thing he prays. After he says, God, you're great, you're powerful, he says, we are powerless. We're powerless against this mighty army that is coming to attack us. And we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Now, this is very important. Look at that passage again. You should do this exact same thing when you're praying for a breakthrough in your life. First, You tell God exactly how you feel. God, I feel powerless. I have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and I can't control this. I can't manage this. I can't manipulate this. I can't change this. I've been batting my head against the wall for weeks, months, or years, or decades, and it's not changing. That's when you need a breakthrough prayer. We're powerless. You tell God, uh, it feels hopeless, and you admit your inability. It's beyond my control. And you admit, even he says, not only, uh, he said, we're powerless, but he says, we don't know what to do. He says, even if we did have the power, we don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do in this situation. Never been in those kind of situations? For a lot. You've been in them a lot. Where you go, I, I don't even have the slightest idea what to do. This net, this mess, this knot is so tangled, and it's out of my control. I don't know what to do. Well, you do that, just... God, I'm powerless, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking at you. I'm focusing on you. I'm turning to you. God, I can't do this. It's not like I need your help. I can't do it even with your help. I need you to do this. You have a family member or loved one who's dying. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about that. If anything is going to be done, it has to be done by somebody greater than you. If your company moves overseas, you're going to lose your job. There's nothing you can do about it. Most of the big things in your life, there's nothing you can do about it. That's why you need to learn the breakthrough prayer. Did you notice that that in that verse 12, it says, we're powerless? But six verses earlier, when he started the prayer, he said, you're all powerful. I don't have to be powerful if I'm connected to God because he's all powerful I don't have to be all knowing if I'm connected to God because he's all knowing I don't have to be in every place if I'm connected to God because he's in every place and so what do you do when you're in a situation that you cannot control you cannot change and you cannot manage what do you do in that kind of situation you wait and you trust you wait and you trust. Sometimes faith, it means doing nothing. You just stand still, you just stand there, you wait and you trust. You trying to do something, puts it back in your court. Sometimes there's something so big in your life, you can't do anything about it. And you keep saying, you know, if I just figure this out, I'll just work it out. Things will work out great. And it, it, you just get more and more tired. Sometimes faith means doing nothing. Sometimes faith means just standing there and waiting while the enemy is headed straight at you. You just wait. Look at the next verse, verse 13. Then all the men of Judah stood before the Lord. This means they literally, all the people, the guys in the nation, they stood up before God. Doesn't mean five minutes. They might have stood before the Lord for hours. What what are they doing? Simply by standing and saying, God, we're looking to you. This thing's too big for us. We're going to have a national crisis. We're going under for the last time. We're at the end of our rope, but we're hanging on. We just stand before the Lord. We're going to wait, watch, and trust. It says, then all the men of Judah stood before the Lord, with their w- waiting with their wives and their young children and even their babies. So the whole family can get involved in your breakthrough. And if you're a parent and you're praying for something during these 34 days, a big thing... You need to tell your kids. You need to get everybody praying about it at the dinner table. Husbands and wives, your spouse. Tell your spouse the breakthrough prayer you're praying. Get your kids involved in praying this. And you just say, we're going to stand before the Lord. We can't change us, But God, you can. And it is our faith in you that's going to make the difference. Now, here's the second uh, or the third part of praying a breakthrough after you have told god focused on him his greatness and all that and you've told god uh, you can't do it you need him to do it here's the third thing listen for what god says listen to what god says and that's why i told you in, in prayer prayer is a conversation it's not a monologue prayer is not you doing all the talking you mean wait a minute in those five minutes i don't have to be talking the whole time no A person who talks all the time, that's not a conversation, that's a monologue. You want to have a conversation with God. You can't build a friendship if they never get to talk. And that's why in these five minutes a day, three times a day, you're not spending the whole time talking to God. You're spending some time letting God talk to you. How? Through this book. Through through reading this book. This book is filled with what God wants to say to you. Everything God wants to say to you, he's already put it right here. People are always looking for some sign. I wish God would tell me what he wants to do. I wish he would write it in the sky. God is not going to write it in the sky. He's already written it in a book. And you won't read this. Why in the world do you think you're going to look up at the sky? Stop looking for a sign and start looking for a scripture. Stop looking for a vision and start looking for a verse. God's will is in God's word. And the more you read this book, the more you're going to know what to do. And that's why three times a day for 34 days, we're developing the habit of having a conversation with God. Part of that five minutes each morning afternoon, evening, you're going to read a little bit. Now, if you haven't signed up yet you need to write 34 days on the the flap and the bulletin drop it in a basket because i'm going to be sending you i'm doing it every few days some scripture and some questions and 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 we're sending you every single morning a morning devotion and every single evening an evening devotion so you get a little bit a few minutes of intake in the word every day and you listen what God says. If you don't listen to what God says, you will never have a breakthrough prayer. Now, I want you to listen to what God said to these guys because they're all praying, Lord, the enemy's coming. We don't know what to do. But we can't, we don't have the power. We're going to die. This is a crisis and it's uncontrollable. Verses 15 to 18 is packed with encouragement for you. And God would say the same thing to you in his word if you would just read it. Here's what the Bible says, verses 15 to 18. Uh, This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, the ones coming to attack you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Whoa, we'll come back to that. The battle's not yours, but God's. He says, you won't need to fight in this battle. Strange battle. Just take up your position and stand strong. Then just wait and watch and you will see the Lord deliver you. You're not going to deliver yourself. This is a breakthrough prayer. I'm going to deliver you. And again, don't be afraid or get discouraged. He says, listen, get the message. Don't Don't be worried. Don't be afraid or discouraged because the Lord is with you and after they had listened to what god had said to them it says then the king and everybody else bowed down on the ground and they worshiped god imagine this scene an entire nation getting on the ground bowing down on their knees and worshiping god because god said i'm going to take care of it now this is an amazing thing when you pray the way these people pray Jehoshaphat the king and everybody else You're going to get God saying the same thing to you. So let's write these things down. God says four things to you when you pray a breakthrough prayer. He says these same things to you. Number one, the first thing God says to you is this. Relax. (laughs) Don't be afraid or discouraged. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. You can chill out. You can relax. He says, I, 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 it's it's not a problem with me. I'm bigger than that in army. That's the first thing God says to you when you have a problem that you can't control. Relax. Don't be afraid of discourage. Second thing God says, and he's going to say it to you too, it's my battle and I'll handle it. It's my battle and I will handle it. Verse 15, the battle is not yours, but God's. You got you want to know why you're tired all the time? Why you're frustrated? Why you're fatigued? Why you're worn out by life? The reason you're so tired is you're trying to fight battles that belong to God. And you're not God. The battle is not yours. It's God. That problem out there, you think it's your problem? God says, you're my child. Fathers take care of their children. It's my battle. It's my battle. The battle is not yours, but God's. You see, what happens in life, because we're particularly in America, we're very independent, and so um, what happens is when we see a problem, we think, if it's to to be, it's up to me. I gotta figure it out, I gotta plan it all. And what we start doing is we assume God's role. God says, the battle's not yours, it's mine. And they say, I can solve this mess. And so you try one thing and it doesn't work, you try something else that doesn't work, you try another thing it doesn't work, and you've been batting your head trying to solve this problem in your marriage. Trying to solve this problem in your body, in the economy, in the world, in the nation, in, at school. And you're, you're trying to solve it on your own power. You're trying to fight the battle on your own. And you're getting tired. And finally, you just give up. And you come back to God and you say, Lord, I've made a mess of this. And you say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I really let you down. Now, you may have never actually prayed that, but you thought it. I'm a big disappointment to God because I really tried on this. I tried to solve this problem. And God, I've messed up. I've made a mess of it. I'm so sorry, God. I've let you down. And God says, nope. You didn't let me down because you weren't holding me up. You don't hold God up. He holds you up. You don't have God in your hands. He's got you in his hands. If you got God in your hands, it's not God. If it's an, it's an idol, if you think you can control God, it's not God. It may be a lucky charm, a talisman. It may be a rabbit's foot or, you know, a good luck horseshoe or some little thing you think is going to give you special power that's going to give you special energy and you keep it in your pocket or on your wrist or whatever and you think that's going to help if you can control it it's not God you're not letting God down because you're not holding him up get this through your mind as your friend and pastor God is not disappointed in you because he's not expecting you to do what only he can do. You don't hold God up. He holds you up. A couple weeks ago, you know, I went to India and Sunday I got there and I spoke to 110,000 people. And then the next several days, I did a pastor's conference from 12,000 pastors from all over India. And on the last day, we had a stadium rally and I spoke to, I don't know, 50, 60,000 people. And when I left LAX, uh, I, I got on the plane. Can you imagine how stupid this would look? Is that we're running, we're on the tarmac, we start going down the runway, and as the jet starts picking up steam, I'm in a 747. It's a 16-hour flight to uh, Dubai and then another five hours to Hyderabad. And as that plane goes down the runway, would it be stupid if I start doing this? picks up, I start doing it faster and faster and faster. And as the the nose guides in the air, I'm going really, really fast. Really, really fast. And the steward comes back. The flight attendant comes back and says, Mr. Warren, what are you doing? Oh, I'm helping us get off the ground. "Uh, You know, Mr. Warren, it has enough power on its own. It doesn't need your... Oh, no. It might crash if I don't do this. (sighs) Three hours into the flight, I'm going. And the flight think, Mr. Warren, you really don't have to do this. The battle is not yours, it's God's. Okay, you get the point. Okay, you get the point. You're not holding the plane up, you're not holding God up. Let me ask you a very personal question. Are your arms getting tired of flapping? In what area of your life have you been flapping for months and maybe even years? In my marriage, trying to make it work. In my job, trying to make it work. In my health, trying to make it work. And you're just flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping and and you right now, you're on the verge of just saying, God, I give up. And God says, great, now we can get something done. I've been waiting for you to realize you're not holding me up great give up and as your friend today I'm telling you give up the battle is not yours it's God now once you give up God says, now I can get something done so God says four things to these people and he says the same things to you relax it's my battle I'll handle it here's the third thing he says keep serving in your position Keep serving in your position. The next line in that verse says, just take up your position and stand strong. Here's the enemy coming against them. He doesn't say go home and light a fire and watch TV. He also says, doesn't say go fight him. He says get in your position and stand there. That takes an enormous amount of faith. Now, I don't have time to get into this, but God has a position for everyone in the family of God. He has a ministry for you to do, a service for you to perform. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction. God has a niche, a niche for you, and it's based on your shape, S-H-A-P-E, spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, experiences. That whole class helps you discover what's my place in the body of Christ? What's my place in the world? What's God's purpose? for my life. And I wrote those classes years ago, class 101, 201, 301, and 401, talking about different parts of your position. If you haven't taken those, you need to take them. We offer them every month uh, in every campus, and and take 101, then 201, 301, where you learn your shape, and 401, you learn your your mission in life. He says, you've got a position. Just stand strong. And then that's the fourth thing, he says, is watch. Wait and watch what God does. That big problem in your life? It's my battle. Stand firm. Stay in your position. Wait and watch what God does. Now, this is the strangest battle in history. Um, And at verse 17, here's what he says. Now, you're not going to need to fight in this battle. Would you agree? That's a pretty unusual battle. So you don't need to fight in this one. Just take up your position and stand strong. Then just wait and watch, and you will see, you will see the Lord deliver you. You're not going to deliver yourself. Again, don't be afraid or discouraged, second time, because the Lord is with you. And then the king and everybody else all bowed down on the ground and worshipped God. That passage I just read, in three words, here's what God says to them. I got this. I got this, okay? It, it's not your problem. I, I got this. I will handle this. By the way, that verse there, verse 17, 2 Chronicles 20, is the middle verse of the Old Testament. Some of you, that's the only thing you're going to get. A little trivia. right? write it down. Middle verse of the Old Testament. But he says, in this battle, you don't need to fight, you don't need to move, and you don't need to worry. You get that? He says, verse, you don't need to fight in this battle. You can resign as general manager of the universe and it's not gonna fall apart. You're not Atlas holding everything up. God's holding you up. You don't need to fight. He says you don't even need to move. He says, stand strong. You don't have to manipulate God. You don't have to help God, just let God be God. He says, stand strong, you don't have to move. Now listen, this is for somebody here. Some of you are thinking, if I could just move, all my problems would be different if I could just move away, if I could just go to Tahiti, then I would not have any stress. You know what the problem with that is? When you go to Tahiti, you take you. And where is the stress? It's not in the air, it's between your ears. So you're taking your stress to Tahiti. Some of you think, life sucks, I need to move. Well, maybe not. Maybe you're exactly where you need to be. and You need to be at church every week here in this kind of teaching so you know how to handle stress instead of being out there on your own and doing it in the wrong way. I know guys who turned down promotions because he wanted their kids, his kids to grow up in this church. Lots of families have done that. Because you don't need to move. You don't need to manipulate. You need to help God. You don't need to move. It's an attitude of quiet confidence. I want you to write this down. It is never God's will for me to run from a difficult situation. Did you write that down? It is never, 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 never God's will for me to run from a difficult situation. Because if you run, you're going to face it again somewhere else. Now God says, stand still. Don't move. Just wait. Be quiet. Stand strong. If you, if you run from a difficulty, you run from a difficult marriage, you tend to fall into another marriage. and are going to have difficulty there. God wants to teach you that he's sufficient in everything. So he says, you don't need to fight, you don't need to move, you don't even need to worry. Twice, God says, don't be afraid. Why does God say that? Why do I not have to worry in the breakthrough prayer? Well, here's the question. Has God ever lost a battle in all of history? No. We lose battles. God has never lost a battle that he fought. So, you can't lose. If God's fighting the battle for you, you can't lose. You're going to win. Now, what do I stand firm? He says, just stand strong, stand firm. How do I stand strong? How do I stand firm? I didn't, there's so much in this chapter. I couldn't even put it all in the outline. So look up here on the screen. Verse 20 says this. Here's how you stand strong. Put your faith in God and you'll be able to stand firm have faith in his prophets and you will succeed now as your coach as your pastor that's what i'm praying for you every day i'm praying that you'll be able to stand firm in life you won't fall over and i'm praying that you'll succeed i pray for your success in life my goal is to help you be successful in every area of your life he tells us there how you do it well the way you get stability is by putting your faith in God, his character, and the way you get success is by putting your faith in what his prophets have said. This is it, it's the word. And the more you get in this book, this is what God spoke to us through these prophets. He said, if you do that, you're gonna succeed. The more you're in this book, the more you're gonna succeed in life. If you're not in this book, you're gonna make all kinds of mistakes and God said, "Yeah, you didn't even make that one. So he says, stand firm on the character of god and stand firm on the truth of the bible now here's the fourth step the fourth thing you do in a breakthrough prayer there are five things and you can do this every day in this these little five minute things thank god in advance for the answer thank god in advance for the answer the reason i chose this particular story from the bible is because it perfectly illustrates the power of thanking god in advance before you get the answer. And notice this is an unusual battle strategy. George Patton would have fainted if he'd been given this order. Verse 21, so then, based on all of what God had said, the king appointed musicians and singers in robes, in choir robes, uh, to march out in front of the army, in front, circle the phrase in front. He appointed musicians and singers to march out in front of the army and to loudly praise and thank the Lord as they're going out to the battle, to the battlefield. he even tells us what they sang. Here's the song. This is what they sang. We thank God. His love never quits. I think we've got a song like that. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. He's saying we thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We love you. Your love is cool It's always there now. Would you agree? This is a bizarre way to organize an army? The kid goes okay Musicians, okay guitars trumpets keyboards they didn't have keyboards in everybody get out of here. You're in front You're in front of the army and let's start marching down to the battlefield now imagine this that three enemy nations three times as many people on the other hill and they're looking down and they see this choir in front of the army they go, what is going on? The Israeli army, the Jews who've been trained in forces, they are, they got the army in front of them. They go, yeah, what is going on? The choir who's headed toward the enemy on the front line goes, yeah, we'd like to know what's going on because we're the tip of the spear and we don't even have any weapons. I got my little flute. And we're gonna sing a song, thank you God, thank you God, we love you, you're, you're great, your love is eternal. What's going on here? It's a symbol. It's a metaphor of the principle. We're thanking God before the battle. We're thanking God in advance. We're putting the choir before the army, okay? Now, prayer and praise, when I praise God, that's verbalized faith. Thank you, God, you're taking care of my bankruptcy. Thank you, God, you're taking care of my pain. Thank you, God, you're taking care of this conflict. Thank you, God, and I'm thanking God in advance. Now, I want you to notice the power of thanking God in advance. The next verse, verse 22. At the moment they began to sing, there, thanking God. At the moment they began to sing and to praise, the Lord caused the armies of these three enemy nations, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, to begin fighting among themselves, and they destroyed each other. Now, that's cool. They haven't lifted a finger, and they win the battle by thanking God in advance. When are you going to start thanking God for that breakthrough in your life? You've wanted it all your life but you haven't been thanking God for it in advance. You've just been begging like you have to bargain or bribe or pressure God to say yes. God wants to say yes. He's waiting for you to show faith. When are you gonna thank God in advance? When are you gonna put the choir before the army in your life? I, I, I know people who come late to church, so they miss the music. I'm going, are you kidding me? That's part of putting the choir before the army. You need to sing those songs from your heart because you have no idea how God is going to use them in, during the week. When you thank God in advance, when you praise God in advance, it's not just singing. And by the way, you don't have to sound good. The Bible just says make a joyful noise. Even a pig can do that when it's eating. Okay? Some of you are prison singers. You're always behind a few bars and never have the right key. But the bible just says make a joyful noise anybody can do that so you thank god in advance for the answer now here's the final part the fifth part of a breakthrough prayer this is the kind of prayer i'm teaching you to pray every day for your breakthrough number five expect god to turn battles into blessings expect god to turn battles into blessings i want you to notice what happens when you let god fight your battles Verse 24 to 26 says this. When the army of Judah, that's the Israelites, the, the Jews, you know, Jew comes from Judah, you know that. And, and Judah was one of the largest tribe in Israel. When the army of Judah finally arrived at the battleground, okay, they're, 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 already, they're a little late to the party. When they get to the battleground, the valley was covered with dead bodies. It's already been fought. For as far as they could see, no one had survived." So, the battle had been fought. All they had to do was thank God in advance. Nobody had survived, they they, they turned on each other. So, they went out to gather the plunder, you know, the spoils of war, you know. We could use those swords, we could use those clothes, we could use that cart, we could use, uh, you know, those wheels, all those things. So, they, they went out to gather the plunder and they found huge amounts of equipment and and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry back. The material blessing was so big they couldn't even carry it off in a day. More than they could carry back. In fact, there was so much loot on that battlefield, it took them three days to collect it. (laughs) That's over an abundance of God's blessing, material blessing. On the fourth day, they gathered for a worship service in that valley which they named the valley of baraka baraka because the people had thanked and praised god there the word barak means to bless in hebrew the word baraka means a blessing and the valley the valley of bitterness the valley of burden the valley of battles was renamed the valley of blessing god wants you to live your life in the valley of blessing not in the valley of battles god wants you to live your life in the valley of barakah the valley of blessing where there's so much blessing it takes you three days to carry off the spoils of war it's super abundance it's overabundant god doesn't want you to live in the battleground, in the valley of battles you've been fighting this battle against your parents or your spouse or your kids or the teachers at school or your boss and you're in battle after battle after battle after battle that's what i don't want you in the valley of battles i want you in the valley of blessing and i want to bless you so much it takes you two or three days to carry off all the spoils because they Thank and praise God there. They renamed the valley. Now, that tells us the three results of a breakthrough prayer. The first thing is, you get more blessing than you can handle. You're praying for, during now to the end of the year, basically, you're you're praying for a a breakthrough in your life. You say, how am I going to know when I've had a breakthrough? Oh, you'll know it. You'll know it. If you don't know it, it's not a breakthrough. It's so big. It's so cool. It's so amazing. God did that. It's not one of these ones, well, that was kind of a cool little thing, but maybe I could explain it away as a coincidence, or maybe I just did this. No, no, no. When there's a breakthrough, you just go, the only way that could have happened is God did it. And that's what I'm praying for you. And that's what I'm going to teach you how to pray for others in the church, and 18,000 homes are going to be praying for you something should be happening in your life he says there's more blessing than they can handle outdone expectations God wants you to live in the valley of blessing the second thing you know you've had a had a breakthrough is you love God more and you want to worship him more because when God does that kind of thing in your life he just did for these people you go god you are too cool you are so great you are so wonderful I have the people say I don't think I love God enough. No, you don't realize how much he loves you. When you realize how much he loves you, you're going to love him. You're going to love him because nobody loves you like God loves you. It makes you want to worship God more. Look at this verse on the screen, verse 27. Then Jehoshaphat led his troops back to Jerusalem where they joyfully celebrated, that's called a party folks, they joyfully celebrated the great victory that God had given to them. In these 34 days we're gonna have some parties break out in this church and when you have your breakthrough inside your program each week you can write write it we're gonna share your story with everybody else when something happens, I've already received a bunch of these from people who said this there was no way this could have happened except I've been praying three times a day the way God wants me to pray for a breakthrough and, and, and so you, you share your breakthrough story and it makes you want to worship God. It makes you want to give thanks. It works out great that we're at Thanksgiving time while we're studying this. Why do we, today we're giving our Thanksgiving offerings. Why do we, why do, we do this? I don't know why you do it, I'll tell you why I do it. I, I give a Thanksgiving offering to God uh, every Thanksgiving. First, God says to do it in the Bible, but there are three reasons, past, present, and future. Anytime I give, I give back to God for three reasons. First, in gratitude for the past. God, I wouldn't have anything to have God if it weren't for you. I wouldn't even be alive if it weren't for you. I wouldn't have air to breathe. I wouldn't have a brain to think. Everything comes from me, so I give in gratitude for the past. Then I give to make sure my priorities are right in the present. Whatever you want God to bless, you put him first in. Seek first the kingdom of God. God, I'm saying you're number one. You're number one in my time. You're one, number one in my heart. You're number one in my day. Spend first time with you. You're number one in my money. Whatever I put God first in, he blesses. So past gratitude, present priorities. And then when I give, it also is a statement.
1: Welcome to today's reading. We're going to be reading a story from Victory Magazine by Gloria Copeland. It says right here, I'm all for praying for, for the full outpouring of God's glory that's been promised to us as the church in these last days. But unlike a lot of people, I don't think we're just waiting on God to give it to us. I believe He's waiting on us to position ourselves to receive it. He's waiting on us to set aside carnal weights and sins so that there be room in our lives for some of Him. He's waiting on it to separate ourselves more from the ungodly ways of this fallen world and walk in the high and holy places of the Spirit with Him. The Lord said to me years ago, holiness is the final frontier our separation ourselves completely unto God is the next step and the only step between where we are now and the greatest manifestation of glory this earth has ever seen God isn't holding it back from us he is as ready to take us into it as he was to take the Israelites into the promised land and he's saying to us much the same thing He said to them Sanctify yourself For tomorrow The Lord will do Wonderful wonders Among you Joshua 3 5 Mm -hmm. The difference Is God Isn't Promising us He'll do wonders Tomorrow Under the new covenant His wonders And his call for us To sanctify ourselves Unto him Are always for Today as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Wherefore, come out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean things and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my son and daughters," says the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Second Corinthians. Some Christians seem to think it doesn't matter where whether we walk in holiness or not. But according to these verses, it does. Separating ourselves from worthiness and living in obedience to God's position us to receive the fulfillment of His promise to us. It opens the door for Him to be the Father to us that He desires to be. God is a good, good Father. One of His names in Hebrews is El Shaddai, which means the All-Sufficient One. That's what God wants to be for us. He wants to be everything we need and take care of us. Completely. To treat us as his sons and daughters. To move us in our lives and change things. To reveal to us and through us how wonderful and powerful and loving a father he really is. God's plan is to make us vessels of His glory for all the world to see. But for that plan to, cause, to come to pass, we must cooperate with Him. We must cast off the works of darkness and walk in the light of what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should have. Ab- abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God for you know the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus for this is the will of God you, your sanctification that you should obtain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification And honor, not in passion or lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. In Jesus' name, holy, 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 be it unto us according to thy word, Lord. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Fernando, your host for this meeting. Today, my selective reading is, um, I was dozing off. I've been up doing some reading and recording and other material, and I dozed off, and I saw a lady uh, holding a Bible up, and she asked me, are you still reading this? And I recognized the Bible. I said, yes. And I got about 15 or 20 of them. No lying. I have a lot of Bibles, beautiful ones too, and there's more coming. There's a famine on Bibles. I'm Fernando. Welcome to today's podcast. Today I'm going to be reading uh, Isaiah 43 and 44, Uh, just commentaries. I'm reading for you from the uh, New Living Translation. This is the one I believe the lady in my dream was holding the Bible up. She was holding it. And asking me, "Are you still reading this?" And I said, "Yes." So apparently there is a message here for us today. And then I prayed. I asked God. I said, "What? Where? Uh, where do you want me to?" And my eyes fell on this scripture as soon as I opened it up. So it's on uh, Isaiah 43 verse 13. It says. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. No one can reverse my actions. Did you hear that? From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. No one can reverse my actions. Wow. It says right here that um, gather the nations together Which of their idols has ever foretold such things? Can any of them predict something even a single day in advance? Where is the witness of such predictions? Who can verify what that they spoke the truth? But you are witnesses. You are witnesses. O Israel, says the Lord, and you are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been and never will be. I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First, I predict your deliverance. I declare what I would do, and then I did it. I saved you. No foreign God has ever done this before. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. No one can reverse my actions. Wow. There are people around us who can witness to God's power because they have experienced it in their own lives. When we have doubts or feel like giving up, giving into temptation, we need to look for encouragement from those who have experienced God's power in similar times of need. Their lives can give us helpful hints about how we can overcome sin and temptation. They will also show us God's ability to transform a broken life. So I qualify. I got on my knees and I asked God to save me. And I didn't hear a voice, but I did hear results. I asked the guy uh, to, to help me stop drinking uh, and, and starving. As a young man, I couldn't pay my bills. I was in a, I'd gotten into a fight with a toaster and the toaster uh, put uh, about 10 stitches on my hand, on my wrist. I punched the toaster, it hit the, the wall, it opened up, came back. Now it was uh, a knife. The stainless steel had opened up, and I was going to hit it again, and it slashed. As I swung at it, the metal slashed my the inside of my wrist and my thumb. So I had the scars to prove it. Now what does that prove? I got on my knees and I asked God to help me. I hadn't eaten for a couple of weeks, I was just drinking. I had lost my job, truck driving, for my DOI, racing. I was divorced, or getting a divorce. I had two, two uh, boys and a wife that I abandoned up in Northern California. I was brawling and drinking and, and not having uh, any success at that. I was running out of options. I ran out of options. I was basically starving and drinking with my buddies and not paying the rent. So I got on my knees and I asked God to help me. And uh, he sent me to a job right away. Like you probably know my story. So the, the idea is that he's always helped me. He's always helped me. There are angels. I have seen angels, huge, six foot, six foot three, huge. And they like to worship. Angels like to worship, clap their hands and hit it hard, swing back and forth, hair flying forward and backward. They love to worship. I've seen a bunch of angels. Um, As high as I got on the the worldly side, I got high with, with God. I started thanking Him for my life just the way it was, and miracles started to happen. I needed a place to live. IRS was taking... After I got working, they were taking all my my money. I had no no income, and I heard God tell me to move to Glendora. That's where I'm at today. So I came over here without a nickel, and I uh, I got into a house that had all the uh, utilities on. You're thinking, well, that's crazy. How does somebody get in there without a nickel? In two hours' time of interviewing the people, I was in the house. Later on, that same elderly couple that owned the house bought me a car. Whoa, that's kind of hard to believe, right? And then after that, uh, uh, we went. We opened up a business, started selling real estate together. And we became best of friends, it became like my grandpa's. We went to Mexico on trips to orphanages and stuff. We did a lot of things together. I learned to love them. They loved me, we were a family. They needed a grandson. I needed parents. Oh, okay. Well, you want another story? Uh, countless uh, supplies, you know. Uh, I, I I told the group that I needed a, a car. And I said, how many of you believe in my 12-step group that God can give me a free vehicle? About 11 hands went up. I was surprised. All these people like, you know, I just said that as I was sharing. And sure enough, that year, 2019, I received three cars. One pickup truck, which I have today, and the other two, a Lexus and a Toyota. I sold them, and I kept the Ford. Hey, hey I'm an American. And I love my life, man. Things are working out. Um, So, The point I'm making that God is telling us today, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. No one can reverence my actions. So uh, what you want to do is ask God to give you a set of words or a song to sing. Uh, That way, as you repeat those words, uh, that's going to be your saving grace. It's going to be your guidance. You may get words like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Or you can get the words uh, the, by the shy lights. Ooh, baby, baby, things are going to be all right. Things are going to be new. Um, something like that. But anyway, God speaks to us through dreams and words, and he asks us to uh, repeat his words so they will come to pass. So the best way to repeat his word is to write uh Write it down over and over again for about an hour. You'll push your soul into receiving it from heaven, and from heaven they will let it go and it will be established. So this word here is an excellent one to read for us. So we can make sure that God is is all that we need. It says, From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do, no one can reverse my actions. So I'd like to ask you today to go ahead and memorize that scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 13. Here it say it with me, say, From eternity to eternity I am God. No one can oppose what I do. No one can reverse my actions. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do. No one can reverse my actions. And guess what? His his plans for you is that you may be healthy, happy, laughing, joy, forgiven, established, that you will have victory. That's his plan for you. If we memorize this, we can have that. Pretty cool, huh? Put the word of God in your heart. We live in victory and victory. I encourage you to keep doing it. Don't pick up, don't use, don't go to the crazy house, don't get around crazy people, situations, don't tempt yourself. Stay in the group, stay in recovery, stay in the Bible read it day and night 20 minutes at night 20 minutes in the morning or more i already been at it for about an hour guys 1 hour take care god bless you have a great time give them heaven
3: today we are going to take a posture of peace by placing our faith In Jesus's fullness posture is a short audible fist bump to remind you God is with you in everything together we're going to be emboldened to take a daily posture of perfect peace in Psalm chapter 34 verse 10 it says the Lions may grow weak and hungry but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing Have you ever noticed in the Gospels how Jesus never recognized lack? Uh, You know, Matthew 14, people are panicking, there's not enough food. What does Jesus do? He multiplies it. In Luke 5, the disciples hustled all night long, caught nothing. Maybe you've had a night like that where you've worked so hard and had nothing to show for it in the morning. And Jesus comes, cuts right through the frustration of the moment, says cast your net on the other side, and not just a little fish show up in that net, but a quantity so abundant that the nets start to break and the boat starts to sink. Jesus never bowed to sickness. He always brought healing, physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing. He never let death have the final say. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He brought life Everywhere he went, no situation was ever too hopeless for him. Lack was not his reality. Possibility is his reality. You know, Jesus had no faith in the lack of a circumstance. He never tied his trust or confidence to the lack that he saw in front of him. He saw more than what was right right in front of him because he had eyes for possibility. And here's what is such good news— This kind of lackless living isn't just for Jesus. It's for us as well. Let me read you a chunk of scripture from Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verses 6 through 10. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, And overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. How full is the fullness of Christ? I'm thinking it's lacking nothing. This is your reality, lacking nothing. This is your true identity. You know, I mentioned in last week's episode that it's easier to rely on less than to believe something more is possible. Doubt can be such an easy default, especially in a troubled, broken world. But we were called to live differently. We were called to live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the fullness of Jesus. We were called out of the kingdom of darkness, which is a realm of lack. We were called into the kingdom of light, which is a realm of possibility. And the enemy, Satan, wants you to believe that this kind of living by faith in jesus's absolute fullness is reckless that it will make you come unhinged that you'll be out of touch with reality a little weird a little off a little too heavenly minded to be any earthly good but faith in his fullness takes you out of the troubled reality of the world and into your true reality, your true identity in Christ, where you live above the muck of this world, so that you can bring the world out of its muck. How can I bring peace if I'm not at peace? If I don't believe peace is possible, or if I think I'm living in denial by believing that peace is within reach, even with the turmoil that I see and experience around me? How can I bring hope if I am not carrying expectation of the goodness of God if I am not carrying an experience with the goodness of God how can we to be displays of his splendor if we live overwhelmed by our circumstances and what we see in the natural instead of overwhelmed by him the Bible says those who seek the Lord lack no good thing I used to get this backwards I often sought the good thing but I came up lacking because the Lord is our source, not the good thing. The Lord should always be our pursuit, not the good thing. Do you need provision today, protection, healing, peace, wellness, wholeness? Seek the Lord today. It's not a game, it's not a transaction, it's not a trick, it's the truth. And we are called to live in the truth. So instead of relying on less, instead of living in lack, Instead of believing a lie of the enemy that to, to believe for more is reckless, live radically. Place your faith in Christ's fullness and embrace the truth that His fullness is now your fullness as well. Every day brings new challenges. Today, we are going to take a posture of peace by asking for help. Posture is a short, audible fist bump to remind you God is with you in everything. Together, we're going to be emboldened to take a daily posture of perfect peace. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. As people of God, followers of Jesus, we must remember this. We are never helpless, and we are never hopeless. We are never without help. And we are never without hope. And the help and the hope that we have been given, these are not far off things. These are not things off in the distant future somewhere. These are not things we will only have in heaven someday. You know, we actually won't need help and hope for heaven. Like, help for what? (laughs) Hope for what? We'll be in heaven. No, the help and the hope that we have been given, that we have been promised, Is for the here and now. It's for the circumstances that you are facing right now, today, this week. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would teach us in all things, that the Holy Spirit would be our helper. He says this in John 14, like I just read. And then in John 16, verse 13, he says, The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, which means we never have to live a lie. We never have to live beneath our true identity in Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 says, Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. We can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The presence of God infuses us with the confidence to live unafraid, to live in our true identity above the circumstances we face in this world. You know, I used to let the belief, the the feeling of helplessness dictate my life. It held me back from taking action, from living courageously, it made me anxious, it brought me panic, it kept me stuck in fear, and that is no way for a child of God to live I was living beneath my true identity. I was living unaware of the presence of God in my life, of the presence of my helper in my life. Now, you know, I didn't always recognize it to be, you know, quote unquote helplessness. Like I wasn't going around saying, oh, I feel so helpless. I I called it other things. Like I would blame my personality. Oh, well, I'm introverted. I'm an Enneagram six. I'm shy. I'm kind of scared of people. I'm anxious in social situations. You know, or I would cite my natural abilities or, or my lack of natural abilities. I would say, like, I don't know how to do this. This is beyond me. I'm overwhelmed by this. I've never been good at fill in the blank. Or I would blame my lack of natural resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. There's not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not enough. It's easier to rely on less than to believe That something more is possible. But for the people of God, you and me, you know, we need to settle this truth in our hearts. We serve a God of endless possibilities. And he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He has given us himself. So we are never without help. And we are never without hope. You know, I realize now that my real problem, you know, wasn't any limitation based on my natural personality, ability, resources, no, my problem was I hadn't asked for help. Oh, you know, oh sure, I prayed about situations, but not always with hope, not always with an expectation for his goodness to come busting through the constrictions of my current circumstance, bringing his endless possibility. But I'm I'm praying differently now. I'm practicing a different expectation in prayer. One that is based on truth. One that is based on what I have been promised. I have a helper. And I have hope. What do you need help with this week? You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So you don't even have to wait for him to come and show up in your life. You know, there's not a special prayer or chant or dance that you have to perform to get him to come and help you. No, he's there with you right now. So no matter what you believe may inhibit you today, know that it can never overcome who inhabits you. Ask for help. Place big expectations on his goodness and believe more is possible. Because it is. You were never called to perfect performance. You were called to partnership with perfection himself. That's that's such good news. It means you can drop the pressure of performing on your own and you can embrace partnership. Trusting our season to god posture is a short audible fist bump to remind you god is with you in everything together we're going to be emboldened to take a daily posture of perfect peace in daniel chapter 2 verses 20 through 22 it says daniel answered and said blessed be the name of god forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might he changes times and seasons he removes kings and sets up kings he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding he reveals deep and hidden things he knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him Now, if you know anything about Daniel, um, you know that he was a man who trusted God deeply. And as we've talked about before on past episodes, we know from Isaiah 26-3 that trusting the Lord is what unlocks perfect peace in our lives. And I love the revelation that Daniel has here about who is in charge of seasons and times. You know, I'm coming into the last lap, so to speak, of my pregnancy, and I realized something. July Lindsay, the Lindsay who first found out that she was pregnant is not March Lindsay, meaning something has shifted in me in these past, you know, 9 months. I've grown, I've upgraded. I've learned a new kind of surrender in facing the unknown of this journey and Because of that, I'm so much more ready now than I was in July for the next season, for the season when baby finally arrives. And I believe that this journey of a season is the kindness of God to me. You know, maybe you've experienced this shift in your own season of life. Maybe you can think back on the start of your career, your ministry, your marriage, and you think, wow, you know, I am not in the same state that I was at the beginning of this journey. Your heart maybe has been healed, your mind renewed, your skills sharpened, your body strengthened. You know, whatever the case may be, what what might used to have made you nervous or anxious is now done in confidence, or what used to be unknown to you is now fully known. You've experienced transformation in the process. You've experienced upgrade while on the journey. You know, and I want to remember this transformation that I've just experienced moving forward into new seasons. Because some seasons will be joyful like the one I'm in now. But I also know that seasons can be painful. But for the people of God, all seasons will be purposeful. You know, remember Romans 8.28 says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So every season, every season has purpose. I used to have categories for my seasons of life. I used to think, you know, joyful, happy seasons were definitely from God but painful seasons of suffering were definitely from Satan. The problem with that belief is I lived as though, even though I belonged to God through the surrender of salvation, I felt vulnerable that my life could still be authored somehow by Satan in these painful seasons. And that left me feeling susceptible to evil and carrying that belief and that, that susceptibility will steal your peace in a heartbeat. But here's the truth. If I am in Christ, like the Bible says, so are all of my circumstances. If you are in Christ, like the Bible says, so are all of your seasons. You and I are never separated from his goodness, even in pain or suffering. He changes our times and seasons, not Satan. Now, I don't believe that this means that God causes bad things to happen to us because I truly believe it is anti-His nature to cause evil in our lives. But we know that in this world we will have trouble because it's a troubled world. But for the people of God, trouble will not have us because we are in this world, but we are not of it. We don't have to live susceptible to it. You know, think about this. God doesn't save us to hand us back over to Satan and his schemes. Remember what we read last week when Jesus said in John 10, talking about my sheep know my voice. They listen, they follow me, and no one will snatch them from my hand. Even in suffering, God in his kindness strengthens us. He guides us. He never leaves us or forsakes us and he makes us more than conquerors. This is the power we have because he gave us himself. We can go into we can come out of seasons stronger than when we came into them. Paul, another person we know trusted the Lord deeply, wrote in Romans 8:18. 8, let me read what he wrote. He wrote that I consider that our present sufferings are not Worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. David, another person who deeply trusted the Lord, wrote in Psalm 16:5, he says, Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I leave, I entrust my destiny and its timing in your hands. So no matter what kind of season you find yourself in right now, know that you are in his hands. You can entrust your season of life to him today. As you look to him and trust in him, know that you are being transformed from glory to glory. I've heard it called before, this is our training for reigning. I just love that. So remember, your seasons and the timing of those seasons rest in the Lord's hand. One last scripture before we leave, something else for you to meditate on this week. Jeremiah 17, 7-8 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They are like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and Does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves will remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is the power of trust.
1: to share the Word of God with us today, January 1st. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. We're going to be reading Psalm 1 in the Word of God, and then later we're going to take communion. So please get your elements, get your bread and your juice ready. So we're going to take communion for this, the blessing for this whole year, this new year that is upon us. Psalm 1 illustrates what a praying life looks like. The psalm contrasts the life of the faithful to the life of the faithless, a life of prayer to a life without prayer. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not with the wicked, they are like the worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destructions. Amen. And Proverbs 1, 1 through 6 says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become ever wiser. Let those who with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, The words of the wise and their riddles. The word of the Lord. Let us take our communion. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us. We take the bread of life. And we, Lord, we thank you for this new year. We lift it up to you, Lord, every day, 365 days. This year, we ask you to bless it. Lord, we give it over to your hands, Lord, that you may keep us safe with jesus christ lord thank you for the the body of jesus that was crucified on the cross and he died for us and he rose from the dead three days in three days he rose from the dead we thank you jesus for sacrificing your body we do this in remembrance of you break the bread we take the bread in the body of christ And then, thank you. And Jesus picked up the cup and said, This is my blood shed for you, for the remissions of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you for the new covenant, Lord, written by the blood of Jesus Christ. This blood sanctifies. There is power in this blood. The blood heals us, takes away our loneliness, makes us whole. And Lord, we just sanctify every day of the year. We put it into your hands, these next 365 days, Lord. That each day be holy, holy, holy unto you, Lord. And thank you for the covering of this blood on each day, on our doorposts, over minds, and our doors, and our children. In your name we pray, amen. Everybody, partake of the cup. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being our dad. Thank you for keeping us safe. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Welcome to today's reading. We're going to be taking communion. Please have your communion elements ready, your bread and your juice, whatever you use, please, for your uh, communion to get closer to the Lord. We're going to acknowledge the Lord. We're going to acknowledge Him and push on to acknowledge Him. And surely He will come as the rains come, the latter and the former and the spring and, and, and rains all around because there's plenty of water. God knew we needed water, millions of gallons of water for uh, for our care. So we're very grateful for the water. Thank you, Father, for creating us. Thank you for making us in your image, <clears throat> for your glory, and for your happiness, and for your joy. <clears throat> we rejoice, Father. We rejoice in how you, you take care of us and you carry us on your shoulders. Thank you for giving us another day of sweet life, Lord. Show yourself strong on our behalf, Lord, so we can boast, continue to boast. Oh, that my soul will boast in the Lord and be glad. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and read uh, Psalms 10, uh, 1 through 15. It says, these prayers, we're going to pray on behalf of the helpless we cultivate our compassion and conscience for innocent victims by engaging emotional with their plight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the suffering Christians out there and the non-Christians, Lord. And Father, we just pray for the people that suffer when turmoil happens and disease. Lord, we, we lift up to you, Lord God, all those individuals that are suffering hunger, cold, sickness, disease, and despair, Lord poverty Lord I pray Lord God that you will give them faith you promise that you will give the poor faith Lord Lord we just thank you that you hold them in your arms Lord and you're a mighty strong powerful father that can care for your children and your creation forgive us for our wrong politics Lord God and wars Lord and greed for resources Lord Help us, Father, in heaven. Help the world. Help the people. We pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we take communion. Let's go ahead and take communion for them right now. Lord, we take communion. We break bread for the poor, Lord, for those who are unable to to take communion. Lord, we pray for all the poor people, all the hurting people on their behalf. All the people in bed, all the sick people, all the people that are going to go to heaven, we pray on their behalf for their souls, Lord. We plead for their salvation, Lord, on their behalf, Lord. Lord, we ask you, Lord God, that you may save them, heal them, sanctify them, Lord. We pray for the millions of souls that today, Lord God, are suffering, Lord. Some of them are for righteousness' sake. Some of them are not their doing, Lord. the children, Lord caught on the crossfire, Lord. We pray and take communion for their souls, Lord, for their spirits, Lord. We just have compassion, Lord God. Father, we bless the people that need water and that need food and rest, and we thank you for their... Thank you, Jesus Christ, that you died for them. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your love. Your love, Father, for the world. You love so much the world that you gave your only son... That whosoever shall believe in them will have everlasting life. Thank you, Father, for the bread of life, Jesus Christ, Lord, that heals and it's real answers and it's the true gospel. Thank you, Lord God, that through the blood, through the through Jesus' heart, that Father God has answered and he has sent Jesus. Jesus is the answer. We pray for all the the people and all the military leaders and the governors and the politics, presidents, kings and queens, Lord, that run the country. Touch your hearts, Lord God, to have compassion on the poor, Lord God. We thank you for giving the poor motivation and healing them and helping them. On their behalf, Lord, we pray for all the people, Lord God, that that, uh, don't know you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for breaking the bread. The the life is in the bread. And we thank you for this bread. The life of Jesus Christ. Take communion please. The body of Christ. And Jesus picked up the cup. And said this is my blood the life is in the blood shed for those for all of you do this in remembrance of me lord we thank you for the blood the wonderful blood the, and the wonderful water that was shed on the side of you you when you when you died and rose from the dead thank you for the covenant that's in this blood in jesus name we thank you that you clean us up and makes us well we have now established a covenant between god us and jesus our mediator that we're in the kingdom of god he is our king and thank you lord for supplying all our needs lord according to your riches and glory in christ jesus help us to help help others lord to help others to help others help us to help others to help others Today's reading is Psalm 10. O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? The wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. Let them be caught in the evil they plan for others. For they brag about their evil desires. They praise the greedy and curse the Lord. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Yet they succeed in everything they do. They do not see your punishment awaiting them. They sneer at all their enemies. They think nothing bad would ever happen to us. We will be free of trouble forever. Their mouths are full of cursing, lies, and threats. Trouble and evil are on the tips of their tongues. They lurk in ambush and in the villages waiting to murder innocent people. They are always searching for helpless victims, like lions crushed in hiding. They wait to pounce on the helpless, like hunters they capture the helpless, and drag them away in nets. Their helpless victims are crushed. They fall beneath the strength of the wicked. The wicked think, God isn't watching us. He has closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. Arise, O Lord, arise, punish the wicked, O God. Do not ignore the helpless. Why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think God will never call us to account. But you see the trouble and grief they cause. You take note of it and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans. Break the arms of these wicked, evil people. Go after them until the last one is destroyed. Amen. Remember Proverbs 3, 7, and 8, what it says? Do you remember what it says? Proverbs 3, 7, and 8. 7 says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 8. 8. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bodies. Wow, what a great uh, deal, huh? What a great exchange. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. In other words, judgment. Instead, fear the Lord. Have a tender heart and turn away from evil. Shut that TV off. Cut that mouth off that's ridiculing others and judgment and always complaining. Fear the Lord, bless others, it's just an opportunity, and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. It's, it's impressive that I haven't heard that before, seen it in that area. That judgment is keeping me sick, that gossip is keeping me sick, that. Um, I, I, Affirming evil is keeping me sick. Turn away from evil, you know, outright evil. Amen, folks. God is the one who made all these rules. Let's just relax and enjoy them. Enjoy the benefits. Take care. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And his face shine upon you. God bless you. Greetings. Happy New Year. Let us go ahead and pray for this coming year. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. We give ourselves over to you, our families, our work, our health, everything, Lord, that you have given to us, Lord, all our neighbors, the earth the family of the earth lord we just give ourselves over to your hands lord god jesus that you may fix us and fix us lord fix our actions fix our thoughts and fix our health lord hold us in your hands and make us all that you called us to be lord we thank you for the work of our hands we thank you for their feet That you direct our feet, our actions. Lord, we just speak blessings unto this year. Lord, we say, Restore, 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 Lord. We say, Holy, holy, holy unto this year. We say, Prosperity be, prosperity be, prosperity be. Be unto us according to your word, Lord. It is good and pleasant. Thank you, Father, that your loving kindness is forever. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. We praise you, Jesus, that your promises are eternal. Thank you that you said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You'll always be with us. Thank you for carrying us in your arms and and loving us. Thank you for your great love that you died for us on the cross and made us brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. We thank you, we surrender our lives to you, Lord, and we thank you for the blood of your Son that covers our house, the posts of our house, the post of our, of our loaves, of our brains, Lord, the front lobe. We thank you, Father, that the evil cannot get in. The Spirit of death will not enter because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the post, on the doorpost of our hearts, our minds and our souls. In the doorposts of our houses and our children, the blood of Jesus sanctifies us, keeps us holy, makes us in right standing with you, Lord. We are loved and we are of the family of God. Thank you, Father, for setting the kingdom of God, Lord. And we're protected by by your word and your holiness, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for this year. Every day of this year, 365 days. We pray and bless every day that your presence will go before us, Lord. And In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for all the glory and honor goes to you, Lord. You have accomplished it for your purpose and for your glory. Amen and amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, And try to say it with concentration, focus, and with all your heart and mind and soul. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen let's try it again okay concentrate and focus and let the faith go be like a little child let your faith release your faith as you raise your hands and say the our father with me let us Let us hit a payload. We can do this. We can hit a payload. You'll see all day long. You'll be so excited. We will hit that payload. Let's try it again. Raise your hands and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Two more times, please. Relax. Now let your shoulders down and just relax in the surrender mode. And as a, like a little child, we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You should have felt something by now. I did. Um, Let's try it again. This is not a repetitious prayer. It's we're practicing to be... uh, We're practicing to let go of our faith. We're practicing how to focus... And you can f- see that your subconscious mind—it sh- should be um, sparkling by now, with little scenes here and there, because it's penetrating. The prayer was penetrating into our souls, into our subconscious mind, and we want to release it. We want to let go of faith and go up to heaven. And you will know—you either see a little light when you have your eyes closed, little blue light, red light, or white light this little pin-sized light. You let go of your faith, okay? Let's try it again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, I'm going to go a little faster. And we're not going to say thy kingdom and the glory because it was put in there later. In some translations, some gospels, it's not there. Let's go ahead and try it. Without it, okay. Let's do it off. Six more, six more, our fathers. Just bear with me. This is an exercise in training ourselves. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm sorry. Here we go again, we got four left to go. I'm gonna need to relax and to concentrate. And don't think it's too long. It's just a training, we're going deep into our subconscious mind like I said. Relax and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Okay, let's go the last one. Ready? With all your heart, your mind, and your soul, love the Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's try it again. I messed that one up. <laughs> Didn't come out right. Okay, this is the last prayer. <laughs> Excuse me. I promise. Ready? Act like act like you're being filmed in Hollywood. And you're just going to save the world with your prayer. And you just let it out, okay? And zoom it unto heaven. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord smile on you and keep you safe. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your prayers. Our prayers have ended. Amen.